and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, filling in for Dana O'Gorman this week, who is on the ground in Germany, going to the game this Sunday between the Bucks and the Seahawks. So instead, I'm filling in for her, and I'm getting some help previewing this matchup with the Bucks with an old friend of mine, Anthony Knockreiner. You remember him. He'd have me on his show at uh, KGEZ here in Kalispell, but he is back down in Florida now. Shoot, Anthony was at the game between the Rams and the and the Bucks this past weekend and rooting on the correct team because we wanted the Rams to lose, obviously. And so here he is joining us. Welcome back to the show, Anthony. Brandon, it's great to see you, man. I miss doing all of our hits uh, on my show. But, uh, man, I'll tell you what, you've done a fantastic job. I see you all the time on social media, what you guys are doing. So great to see what you guys have been up to doing these things as well. And uh, it's great to chat with you. Granted, I- I'll be honest, man. I honestly thought we would be the better team. We'd be six and three right now. I didn't think we'd be sitting at four and five, getting ready to take on a six and three Seahawks team. Wait, you the Bucks aren't six and three going into this game. I, I'm I'm looking at the line here and I'm seeing the Bucks favored by two and a half. It's a it's not a home game necessarily. I know it's technically a home game for the Bucks, but it's t- on a neutral field in Germany. And I see the Bucks are two and a half point favorites over the Seahawks. So uh, you're you're telling me that that you are not. Uh, you don't have the same or better record than Seattle right now. I can honestly say we don't. I wish we did. I honestly thought we might be to be six and three at this point. I didn't have us losing to Pittsburgh or Carolina, um, but there you go. That's that's where we're sitting right now. I'm glad we beat the Rams. I am really really happy that we beat the Rams because the Rams have been the scorn since January. So I'm glad that we beat them, even though. We probably shouldn't have, or at the very least, it should have been by much more. But I'm I'm just glad that we beat them. And like I said, I have no idea why we're the favorites. You guys have actually beaten legit teams. All right. You've beaten the Giants. You've beaten the Cardinals recently. I mean, our last win before the Rams, I want to say, was against the Falcons, which was a game we probably should have lost. So we probably should be sitting more or less like three and six right now instead of six and three. But as a Bucks fan, I'll, I'll take four and five. But yeah, uh, you guys are playing phenomenal football. Uh, let me just start with this because I know we're going to talk more about the X's and O's. Sure. Watch first down run, Brandon. Apparently, we're thinking that's going to work. I don't know why, but the first down run is dangerous, according to Byron Leftwich. Okay, so when you mentioned this to me just via text, and I, I'd hope that the the scouts for the team are listening with the with the Bucks running primarily on first down. Is that because? that teams are just, they're so worried about the pass against Brady that they're giving favorable run looks. And so he's just checking in to runs on first down and they're not getting anything. Or are they, or are they doing things just like running into stack boxes on first down? Because that's what you do. You run the ball on first down. I literally have no idea why, but I mean, listen, the Dallas game, we ran the ball great. So I thought, okay, maybe our identity will be running the football more, but I mean, I have no idea why we run down for why we run so much on first down. It doesn't seem to work. We constantly shoot ourselves in the foot on drives because we're always ending up second and 11, second down and nine. We're just picking up minimal yardage on these runs, and they're usually dive plays or just off the right guard or just off the left guard. Now, I will say, since Nick Leverett's taken over the position over the rookie uh, Luke Gadecki, the play's been better, but we're still not running the football at a clip that really should be effective. I mean, we're the worst rushing football team in the NFL. And it is for a reason because we just, for whatever reason, cannot run the football or we're too predictable. And that's what kind of kills me. If you go back to uh, inside the NFL on their audio from the Ravens-Bucks game, 
The Ravens defenders said it. They're running the same plays, just out of different formations. You guys, you have guys in the booth that are saying how predictable our offense is. But I'll tell you what, apparently our offensive coaching staff doesn't think so because every single week they keep saying, well, we're doing the right things in practice. Eventually it'll transition to the game. That's what Byron said this week in the press conference. I'm like, well, eventually it's uh, you got to change something because I don't know how you're practicing this well, but on Sundays you're just executing this poorly because uh, the offense doesn't make any sense. Look what we did on the last drive against the Rams. It was working the middle of the field with our tight end and then getting outside with Scotty Miller. I was glad to see Scotty Miller was actually an active participant because Julio Jones is pulling the same thing that was in Tennessee. I, I think at this point the Bucs just kind of need to cut their losses. I don't think Julio's going to give us anything, you know, old Julio. And so – I just think that the offense needs to be more creative in the way we do things. I remember a couple of weeks ago, we ran a jet sweep with Julio Jones. Why are we running a jet sweep with a guy that's got banged up knees and lower leg issues? Why don't you use Scotty Miller for that? That's why he has that speed. So again, it's just the predictability and the issues among the offense where it's just like, I think that we're running the ball in predictable situations. We're always predictable because when you look at the film, we're always running on first down. And we're running the same same play. It's a halfback dive to Leonard Fournette for either a loss or minimal game, as I said before. So I think it's just a lack of creativity. And I think the fact that we're just being so predictable is why we're getting to stack boxes and everything else. Because And at the same time, too, I think the more Nick Leverett plays, I think the better our offensive line is going to be. So then Tom Brady will trust to go and to put the ball downfield more. Because I think the other problem was is because we were having such issues on that left guard position, Tom was getting rid of the ball in one or two seconds. There was no, uh, there was no debating that because he did not want to get hit. And forty-five years old, I don't blame. Him. I can hear it in the meeting now, Anthony, for the offensive. Uh, you know, as they're preparing for a game coming up, and the the, the offensive coordinator is saying, you know what. They're never going to expect a jet sweep by Julio Jones. I mean, this guy's thirty-five. Like the the defense will never expect a, a jet sweep to him. No, I, I apparently not. You, you wouldn't think. Listen, if it was two thousand twelve, Julio, sure. Um, two thousand twenty-two, Julio. Yeah, no, I don't think he's got it. Now, listen, he can still run straight and, and you know go north and south and probably be very fast about it. I still remember that catch he had against Dallas, but. I mean, man, we, we got to be more creative with some of the guys that we have on this team, and we're just not doing that. And with Julio, I don't even know what to do with him anymore. Like I said, I, I appreciate Julio, and I thought it was going to be fun. I saw him in training camp, and, man, he looked great. So I really thought it was going to be, okay, we're going to get one good year, solid year out of Julio, and it, it just didn't quite work out. And I think, again, that's just part of the problem. We're maybe a little too old. And, and by the way, I don't think Gronkowski's coming back. I don't think he's going to, especially for this game, I don't think he's going to show up on Sunday. So who should the Seahawks really be focusing on offense? I feel like they've done a pretty good job of identifying the player that they want to take out of the game when it comes to the offense. And and yeah, obviously Tom Brady with him being the greatest ever. But as far as his weapons, like who who is the primary go to guy? Is it is it Mike Evans uh, or is he banged up? And, and there's another guy that you have to worry about. I think the question, I mean, I think the go-to is Mike, but I know Mike got banged up in that game against the Rams. So my question is, is, is how much is he going to be able to go this Sunday with his ribs? Um, and depending on the matchup too, I, I think the more dangerous guy, especially at least in the middle of the field and what we've seen more, especially the last couple of weeks is Brady really wants to go to Godwin on the inside. 
So I think Godwin's going to be that guy. Now, we could also go the screen route because I don't know if we've run enough screens and wide receiver screens yet this season. But I think Godwin might be that guy. And and someone that Mike is, I think, is really starting to come along is our rookie tight end, Kate Otten. Mm. I know we had the game winner last week, but he was the guy that caught the ball in the middle of the field to help us get that drive down there. Um, and I think he's a guy that's really building trust and rapport with with Tom. So I'd say Kate's maybe more of that sneaky guy but i think you i think you have to start with mike as the main guy because mike evans does a lot of great things he can still run the go routes as well as go up and get it he loves the fade route uh when it gets close to the goal line so i think it's still mike evans again godwin towards that middle of the field and then another guy another rookie rashad white i think we're going to start seeing him more and more i think leonard fournette i think he's just got to take a couple weeks off just because he hasn't been playing really well and I don't. And I know the offensive line, as we kind of talked about, that has been an issue. So it's not completely on him for the lack of success of running. But right now, I think Rashad White might be a guy that we kind of need to get more involved, especially in the passing game. That was something he did really well at Arizona State last year. So if I had to, if I could just give you the ranking, I'd probably say Mike Godwin, Otten, and then Rashad White as well. And then uh, we'll see if we decide to get Scotty Miller involved this week. That's a big if at this point. Well, it's going to be a fun matchup to see if Tariq Woolen is on Mike Evans quite a bit because he was able to shut down DeAndre Hopkins relatively well in the game against Arizona. It is a concern. Chris Godwin is probably the name that I would concern myself most with because we've got a rookie corner in the slot, uh, Kobe Bryant, and I could see Tom Brady exploiting that. The linebackers, they've been okay in coverage this year, and and so Otten might be the one to watch too between between Otten and Godwin, that's probably in the passing game. They're probably the two that I would be most concerned about as a Seahawks fan, matchup-wise, going into this game. So that's going to be something to watch. But flipping over to the defense, the one thing that I'm, I guess I'm kind of surprised about is that it feels like the defense is still pretty well stacked. Is there what's been going on with the the Bucks defense this year? Well, I think what you saw was the last couple of weeks, and then I would say in particular. You know, the Ravens game and, and the Panthers game, we were just injured. Um, we're, we're getting Antone, Ant, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. back this week, which is big. Um, our secondary is playing better. And I think the fact that Devin White got called out after that Baltimore Ravens game, I think really elevated his play. Um, listen, this, that, that's, this is a team that you don't normally run against. Uh, this is a team that's really kind of predicated its reputation on being a team that you don't run the ball on. And we've been giving it up a lot. And I would also say the biggest thing that probably also changed the tide was the fact that Akeem Hicks is back as well in the Bucks D line. So Vita Vea is not having to play so much on the outside in this three, four defense. He can get back to his traditional nose guard position. And Vita Vea had three, two and a half sacks, I believe this past weekend against Matt Stafford. And so we're going to need similar production along that. And I, the other part's going to be whether or not we can generate enough pressure. It was good that Vita Vea got up the middle, but losing Shaq Barrett before last week's game is a huge loss. I think Devin, like you said, I think the biggest thing, honestly, Brandon, is just that Devin White got called out. He's the emotional leader. He's the captain. I know we got Levante David over there as well. But I think this defense kind of realizes now that they really are going to have to carry this team. And having some injuries getting guys come back is going to be big too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who guards. I, I feel like it'll probably be Carlin Davis that gets DK Metcalf. But Jamel Dean's been playing really well too. So it could be Dean that gets Metcalf and then, uh, Carlton Davis on Tyler Lockett, but that'll be really interesting. But I think the matchup for Seahawks fans is you got to try and find somebody to get on Devin White because Devin White still has been a liability in pass mm -hmm. coverage. So getting 
you know, Will Disley or other tight ends behind him or running backs behind him uh, could lead to Seahawks success because he, he's just he's been out of position a couple of times. We'll see if this changes this week. Again, he played well against the Rams. I don't know if the Rams necessarily challenge him with running backs and, and t- tight ends behind him, but that's going to be something that other teams have done a really nice job of. I think back to Pittsburgh and even Carolina to a degree. Well, it's one of the reasons for Seahawks fans and why we're having so much fun watching this team this year is because they've been so balanced in that with both games against the Arizona Cardinals, they were able to take away DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for those downfield big throws, but they were able to then work in the tight ends instead. So whether it's Will Disley or Noah Fant or, I mean, the other part of it is having rookie running back Ken Walker having so much success. And when I looked at the Bucks. And that they were giving up over five and a half yards per carry over the last three games. I'm thinking, shoot, Ken Walker against the Bucks defense. I, I wouldn't necessarily think going into the game with all the players that you mentioned that they'd be able to run well on this Bucks defense. But when you look at the numbers, it uh, that definitely jumped out at me. Well, here's the deal, though, Brennan, because if you look at it right now, the Tampa Bay offense is playing, playing so poorly I think if I go back to the Ravens game, it was 38 minutes for the Ravens and like 19 minutes for, for Tampa Bay. And, and we've seen too many lopsided uh, losses in the ter- in terms of the time of possession. And so I think the fact is, is that Tampa can stop the run in the first half. But if our, if you force our offense to go three and out, three and out, three and out, you're going to be able to run on us eventually because our defense is going to be so gassed from being on the field. So if you can wear us out by the second half and your defense does its job by forcing so many punts, uh, then yeah, I think you guys are going to pound us with Ken Walker and you're going to find success eventually because this defense will be too gassed. I think that's, that's been one of our issues as well is just that the time of possession is too many times the Bucks have lost. I mean, you go back to even last week against the Rams, I'm pretty sure we might've lost that one, but then we, uh, that, that, I'm, I, mm, I can't, maybe I can't say that because the Rams can't run the ball either. Right. Well, you know, you, you bring up the, um, just the, that idea of being on the field so much with the defense. And that was one of the arguments that I I've heard coming out of the game against the Rams is that with Tom Brady, having that kind of success, marching down the field, the late in the game and, and getting the touchdown and the win. And I mean, shoot, they were set up for a potential touchdown just a minute before that and uh, didn't quite get in. And so I see people saying, well, just let Tom Brady go up tempo all the time. And I mean, that's part of the problem though, is if you go up tempo and you're going three and out while going up tempo, that puts a lot of pressure on the defense. The only problem is though, Brandon, is that we don't go up tempo that often. We only go up tempo when we're in that two minute drill or we're down. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the issue is like, and, and even then, if we go up tempo, by the time we get to the red zone, you might as well just add another hundred yards for us because I don't understand this team. Red zone's third and a mile, uh, third and one, fourth and one, fourth and two, third and two, anything under three yards might as well be a mile to this offense because we cannot convert. So I, I think if we can go up tempo, I think we could have success, but obviously you can't do that for an entire game because then your offense gets tired and everything else. But we just haven't run it that much unless it's been called upon in necessity because we're down by a score. We're down by two scores. And we got to make that up real fast because we've blown the rest of the game beforehand because we can't do it. So uh, it would be nice to see a little more up-tempo or at least a little more mix of it throughout the game on our offense. But too many times we're not really doing that until the fourth quarter when we're down by three or six points or more. So here's the other thing. 
Tom Brady, definitely a factor and one that I am concerned about because I'm just, I'm either waiting for one when Tom Brady decides to turn it around and, you know, maybe it's when his back's against the wall the most within the division and needing wins. Now, I mean, with Carolina beating the Falcons on Thursday, uh, obviously the division is up for grabs for any of these teams in the South. So maybe he's not in that position yet. But I'm also wondering if he's just going to find that gear at some point and say, hey, I'm taking over. I'm going to propel this team to the playoffs. And shoot, even if he doesn't, Anthony, it was like last week where you just you didn't have that expectation. They weren't doing anything against the Rams defense. And then 44 seconds left. Tom Brady gets the ball. He's Tom Brady. And he goes out and wins the game. I know, but I'd, I'd much rather that we actually like win the game in the first three quarters. Like, let's put up 30 points. I mean, I went to the Chiefs Sunday night game against the Bucks. That's the most points I've seen all season. We have, I don't think we've scored more than 31 this year. So I don't know if it's, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think the defense, the defense bailed out Tom Brady in that offense last week. If the Rams had any sort of offense, which is something we're actually going to face this week against you guys, you guys actually know how to run an offense and score points. I'm actually kind of jealous. I don't know how our offense, I don't know how to do that or see that right now with our offense, but I mean, I wish Tom Brady would turn it on. I don't know necessarily what's going on in terms of like, was it more Bruce Arians that had more impact on the offensive game plan last year? Because I just don't know how we go from as many points we scored last year and all the great offensive rankings to this year. Dude, we can barely score 17 points. Like what's the the only thing I can come up with, the, the common denominator is Bruce Arians no longer in the meeting helping the offensive game plan because Again, I put more of this – again, the offensive line's had its issues, but Nick Leverett's played better than the rookie. Maybe that should have been a move we made earlier. But still, just the, the fact – how do you go from 31 points or 30-plus points a game to now barely scoring 17? I know the offensive line's bad, but, man, it can't be that bad. You, you lose that much in terms of production and points per game. So I, I hope Tom Brady turns it on. Maybe – and that's why this is the other thing, too. He's finally through the divorce. So right. maybe he will on Brandon, but – because uh, that plays a part, but I, I don't know, man, until I see it, I don't have a lot of faith in it because all we've seen continuously and you hear Byron Leftwich in his press conference, it doesn't sound like he wants to change. It sounds like he's going to keep doing his thing. And, you know, until we either get blown out because our defense has been on the field too much, I don't see us making a change. So our defense is going to play well, but our, I just don't think it's, I don't know if Tom Brady's in the – I really don't know how much to believe in that, if Tom Brady's really that much in the play calling. Because if he is, he's a terrible offensive coordinator. (laughs) Well, and I just feel like the thing that has made him great is knowing where to go with the football quickly. And so even when he does have offensive lines that are struggling, he's able to get the ball out quickly and to the right receiver and, and at least pick up, you know, four, five, six yards a clip. And I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's surprising to me that the offense would be struggling as much as it has been. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, it kind of goes back to, and this is what Bucks fans have been kind of crying about on social media. You know, do you bring, do you figure out a way to get Bruce Arians more involved in the offensive game plan? You know, it's kind of funny considering your, you know, your history with Bruce Arians and everything. (laughs) Cause I remember how much you told me about him when he first got hired in Tampa, but it'll be interesting. I'm very curious to see what, Byron and company do this week. And I, I, again, I would say, what does Tom do? Again, Tom no longer has that divorce. How much was that playing? The offensive line is the offensive line. I mean, unless Ryan Jensen's walking through the room uh, healthy uh, and was on the plane 
uh, this week, uh, it's not going to change until he at least gets back. But then you still have the left guard position. Maybe you move Hainsey over. I don't know. But I, I think they've got to do something here. It's got to change because what they're doing is not working. And again, we, we, we beat the Rams 16 to 13. That game should have been higher. Any, you guys would beat them by more points right now. That, I mean, listen, the Rams defense doesn't scare me. Like it was purely just, you know, herky jerky play calling. It's like, we, we start moving the ball, we get a couple first downs, and all of a sudden there's just one bad play call. I remember one against the Packers in week three. We're running a double wide receiver reverse. We're down, I think it's 14 to 7, I think, or maybe it's 14 6. I can't remember. But then all of a sudden we run this double wide receiver reverse with Scotty Miller. We lose like eight yards, and we can't recover from that. Any loss of yardage by this offense, unless we go down the field uh, with Mike Evans, is. Yeah, it's, I'm honestly repeating myself, Brandon. I feel like I'm <laughs> like a bro- all this bad play calling. So it goes to play calling. It goes to not being able to get the ball downfield. I, I could see that becoming an issue, uh, especially with the Seahawks. Although I, we have seen the Seahawks defense give up some really just mind numbing third and long uh, calls where they're, you got defenders just slipping out of tackles and that sort of thing. So I do worry, especially with big body guys like Julio, with Mike Evans, with Leonard Fournette, that tackling for the Seahawks defense could become an issue and then end up giving up on some of those third and long scenarios where they really shouldn't be giving them up. The funny part is, is our de- I feel the same way about our defense. I mean, I go back to the Pittsburgh game. We had Pittsburgh in a lot of third and longs and we gave I think we had them in like five or six third and 10 plus, and we gave up every single one of them, especially late in the ball game to try and give our offense one more chance. So I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, again, our defense played well, but again, we played against a bad Rams offense. So I'm going into this game. I am very concerned. I think Seattle will, will, will be able to, or might be able to move the ball again. I think the first half will be low scoring, but I think you guys might be able to figure out and make adjustments in the second half and, be able to put some points on the board. So we're really going to see what happens when we actually face a real offense because, and Brand, you have to agree with me and I'm sure your listeners do. Does anybody think the LA Rams offense is any good right now? It's basically the Cooper cup show. And if he's not seeing the ball, then they're not scoring. Exactly. So uh, that's the thing is, so, I mean, you guys present a very unique challenge at this point in the season. And I kind of even said this too, I'm glad we got the win, but I think for Tampa, we can't drop the four and six. So this is a must win against you guys at this point in Germany. And then that's, that's going to be the interesting thing too. these international games. I know Tom's undefeated so far, but man, I'm, I, this is going to be a tough one, especially in Germany this week. Yeah. Pete Carroll undefeated internationally too. So we will, we'll have to see which one of these uh, teams breaks the streak. And yeah, he's Anthony Knockreiner. Thanks for joining in. When, before you go though, one final prediction of how do you expect this game to go score-wise? All right, I'll give you two. If the Bucks win, it's going to be 17-13 to 13 is how we win. Be a low-scoring ball game. You guys win, it's probably going to be more like 30-17. to 17. So either way, I think we'll score 17 points. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on Gino and the offense to, to score more than 17 points against this Bucks team. Anthony, thanks again for coming on the show. Appreciate it, Brandon. Going to be a fun one coming up this Sunday morning. Be sure you set your alarm so you don't miss this game. It's an early one, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time. Maybe even set it a little bit earlier so that way you can give yourself the snooze button a couple of times. 
Happy Veterans Day to everybody on this Friday. Thanks to Dana O'Gorman for allowing me to fill in for her while she's on the road in Germany. And make sure you're subscribed to the show. That way you can get the recap episode from Dan Viennes as soon as he goes live after the game. Be sure and watch for that. I'm going to be tuning in. And so as we look ahead to Sunday, go Hawks.